the thief comes not except to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that you might have and enjoy life, life in abundance until it overflows. Discover how to live the abundant life in Christ through the ministry of Pastor Oseyao Afwakwa. Pastor Afwakwa is the founder and general overseer of Embassy of Life Chapel a thriving ministry headquartered in Kumasi with a network of churches in Kumasi and Accra, Ghana. God has commissioned him to train believers through the teaching of the good news of the kingdom to know God better, live life better, and impact the world better. Get set for an empowerment that will enable you to live a life of all-round victory, success, and limitless prosperity. God bless you as you listen. Come with me to the book of 2 Timothy chapter 4 verse 1 to 5. 2 Timothy chapter 4 verse 1 to 5. He says, I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing and his kingdom, preach the word, be ready in season and out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with complete patience and teaching. Somebody say, preach the word. Say, preach the word. Alright, he says, preach the word. And when the word is preached well, there are a number of elements we see. Anytime the word of God is preached well, there are a number of things you see. Praise the Lord. Every time you hear a preacher, look out for these things. Because that is one of the proofs that the word of God is being taught properly. He says, preach the word, be instant in season and out of season. He said, reproof. Somebody say, reproof. Say, reproof. Say, reproof. Yes, reproof. He says, reproof through teaching and preaching. Reproofs come. And then he said, rebuke. Then he says, exhort. The word exhort means encourage. Somebody say, encourage. encourage. You prove, you reprove, you rebuke, and then you exhort with complete patience and teaching. So when the word of God is coming, sometimes it comes to encourage you, sometimes it comes to challenge you, sometimes it comes to reprove you. And when you are reproved, God is calling you to a higher level of commitment. Am I complicating here? A lot of people are very comfortable when the word preached only encourages them. They never want to be reproved. But that's not holistic teaching. If you are what the word you are hearing is right, you will be reproved. You'll be reproved. You'll be reproved every time the word of God is taught well. It's really not my emphasis, but it just the spirit of God just took my attention there. He said, preach the word, be instant in season and out of season. Be instant. Then he said, for the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching. Why? Sound teaching is the teaching that will encourage you, is the one that will correct you, is the one that will reprove you, it's the one that will rebuke you. But the Bible says a time is coming where people will not be comfortable to hear that. When they hear it, they get disturbed. When you hear the word of God and you are disturbed, it's fine. But if you continue to allow the word you hear to disturb you, something is fundamentally wrong with you. Whether it came to rebuke you, reprove you, or encourage you. In fact, most of the time, when we are encouraged, we don't give any attitude. But when we are reproved and we are rebuked, that's where the challenge is. And he says, but having eaten years, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to seal their own passions. Somebody say to see their own passions. Don't look for the word that makes you comfortable. You suit your own passion to continue your ways. So you hear the word and you still go back to your ways. And every time you are hearing the word of God, in fact, I tell people all the time, if the word you are hearing is not challenging you, is not changing you, change it. Because the word of God must challenge you. It must challenge you and move you from your comfort zone and move you into the realm that God wants you to be. Somebody say an amen. amen. He said they will turn away from listening to truth and wander in off into myth. Look at verse 5. As for you, somebody say, as for me. As for me. He said, as for you, always be sober-minded and your suffering. Do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. Somebody say, fulfill your ministry. Fulfill your ministry. Say, fulfill your ministry. Fulfill your ministry. <laughs> 
Now, this is Paul writing a letter to a man who is, was a bishop at the time in the church of Ephesus. And he tells him that do the work of an evangelist and fulfill your ministry. It's surprising to hear Paul tell a pastor to do the work of an evangelist. He said, do the work of an evangelist and fulfill your ministry. Because usually when evangelists are speaking, they don't really care much about how you feel. Yeah, because they just say it and go. Pastors are very, very careful because they are very careful to offend. But evangelists, they say it as you need to hear it and they finish and they go. He said, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. Our focus is doing the work of an evangelist. Somebody say, doing the work of an evangelist. Okay, he said, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. Somebody say, I am called to do the work of an evangelist. Then he says, fulfill your ministry. Somebody say, I have to fulfill my ministry. Say, I have a ministry to fulfill. Now look at what the Bible says in Colossians chapter 4, verse 17. And say to Archippus, now I want you to take Archippus from the place and put your name there. Say to Thomas, say to Alex, say to uh, Alice, say to George, say to whoever. He says, say to Archippus, take heed. Somebody say, take heed. Now, when somebody says take it, he's, he's simply telling you to be careful. He said, be careful. Take it to the ministry which you have received in the Lord. Take it. Somebody say, take it. Take it to the ministry which you have received in the Lord. That you may fulfill it. That you may fulfill it. Take it. He's given a warning first. And he says, take it to the ministry which you have received that you may fulfill it. You have to fulfill it. There's a ministry you have received. Somebody say, I have received my ministry. And I need to be careful to fulfill it. It's also so important. A lot of Christians don't know they have received a ministry. And those who know they have received a ministry are also not very careful to fulfill it. There are people who are more committed to their marriage than the ministry they've received from the Lord. Yeah, They are more committed to their marriage than the ministry which they have received from the Lord. And I'm not saying that don't be committed to your marriage, but it's wrong to be more committed to your marriage than the ministry you have received from the Lord. You have to be committed to the ministry which you have received and fulfill it. The same way you are committed to your spouse, be much more committed to the ministry which you have received that you fulfill it. Look at 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17. He tells us about the ministry. So he says that fulfill your ministry. Then he tells us this is the ministry we have received. Somebody says it's the ministry I have received. Yeah, there are many people who are praying for their ministry instead of working out the ministry which they have received. Having pastored for some time, you hear people all the time, Pastor, I want to know my ministry. There is a ministry which you are, you are already aware which you must fulfill. And that is the ministry we are talking about here. He said, this means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone and the new life has begun. All of this, somebody say all of this. All of this is what? A gift from who? A gift from who? Who has brought us back to himself through Christ. Take note. He has brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us the task of reconciling people to him. What is this task? Then he says, for God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. No longer counting people's sins against them. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. He says he's given us the task of reconciling and he's given us a message. So then, we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ. When we plead with you, come back to God. Somebody say, I speak for Christ. Speak for Christ. Now, that's, that's one of the things we've been called to. We've been called to speak for Christ. You speak for Christ. You make appeal to men on the behalf of Christ. Men must be reconciled to God. We need to appreciate that reconciling people to God is the task of every believer. Somebody say reconciling people to God is the task of every believer. Yeah, Not every believer may do certain things, but there are things that every believer is called to do. Maybe I'll prepare and do a teaching on things every believer must be able to do. Praise the Lord. Yeah. There are things every believer must be able to do. One of them is to reconcile people to God. Somebody say reconcile people to God. 
there are skill set you must have as a Christian. One of the skill set you need to have is the skill to be able to reach out to others with the gospel and to do so freely and courageously. And that's what we've been seeking to do through this series. The work of evangelism is critical and very important. The Bible says we are to do the work of evangelism. Right from the very beginning of the series, I told you that there's a work. Somebody say there's a work and there's an office. Say there's a work. How many of you remember there's a work? You remember there's an office. There's an office of an evangelist and there's a work of an evangelist. And all of us may not be called into the office, but all of us are called to do the work. Somebody say all of us may not be called into the office. But all of us are called to do the work. Yeah, one of the things that uh, will make you an outstanding person is to be a person of influence without position. There are a lot of people they can only influence when they are in a position. Weak leaders influence when they are in position. Strong leaders can influence from any position at all. They don't need to be the head. But they can influence, they can be the tail, and yet their influence is greater than even the head. That's a strong person. When you are in leadership, you seek to influence like that. That's what strong leaders do. So all of us may not be called to the office, but all of us are called to do the work. Somebody say, I'm called to do the work. How important is this work? This is the main work Jesus came to do. Somebody say, this work is the main work Jesus came to do. Yeah, Jesus came on earth and he did nothing but the work of evangelism. The Bible says, for God was in Christ reconciling the word unto himself. That's all he was doing. When Jesus was on earth, what was he doing? He was reconciling men unto God. That's all he did. Principally, that's what he did. And so, having saved and redeemed you by his precious blood, he gave you no other task but this task. It's the main work Jesus came to do. So, it's not a mean work. Luke chapter 19 verse 10. The Bible says, For the Son of Man came to seek and to save that which is lost. He came to seek and to save the lost. Somebody say, He came to seek and to save the lost. He came to seek and to save the lost. So, when we are seeking and saving the lost, we are doing what he, did, what, what he came to do. Number two, it's a principal work Christ committed to all his disciples. This is a principal work. It's a principal work. Every believer is committed. The Bible says, so all things are of God who had reconciled us to himself and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. Every work, every other work is not for everybody. But this one is for all of us. He's given us a ministry. Every believer has this ministry. I see you fulfill your ministry. It is the main reason why the Holy Spirit was given. The Holy Spirit was not given so that you would just uh, go through life and be the best in your career. No. It's good to be the best in your career, but if all you do is to be the best in your career, you've wasted the potential of the Holy Spirit in you. The Holy Spirit was not given so that you become the head in your political ambitions. It's okay to be the head, but he was given principally to equip and empower us to be fruitful in the task of winning souls. Somebody say an amen. Yeah, that's what the Holy Spirit was giving. At 1.8, he says, you shall what? Receive power. After the Holy Ghost is what? Talk to me. After the Holy Ghost is what? And you will be my what? When the Holy Ghost comes, what are you supposed to do? Make money? No. Prosper? No. Enjoy your marriage? No. Travel abroad? No. When the Holy Spirit comes, what are you supposed to do? You are supposed to be empowered to be a witness. Praise the Lord. That's, that's the principal reason. Jesus told them, tarry until you are endued with power from on high. That's what the Holy Spirit was given. And then number three, it's the only work that guarantees much less earthly and eternal rewards. Every other work can give us a measure of rewards. This work is the only work that guarantees much less eternal and earthly rewards. John 4, 3, 30, 35 to 36. Do not say there are still four months and yet comes the harvest. Behold, I said to you, lift up your eyes. Somebody say, lift up your eyes. He said, lift up your eyes for they are already wide for harvest. Then he says in verse 36, he said, he who reaps receives wages. Somebody say, he who reaps. Say, he who reaps. That's all. He who reaps receives wages. If you are not receiving 
check your reaping. Praise the Lord. Because God is not unrighteous to forget your work and your labor of love. When you are doing what he told you to do, he will be committed to doing what he said he would do. When we do what he told us to do, he will be committed. The Bible says he, he abided faithful because he cannot deny himself. When it comes to the gospel, God will do anything to get it across. And he can give you anything just to make sure that the gospel pushes. When your heart is set on the gospel, there is no place God cannot take you. Praise the Lord. If you want a vehicle to take you very fast to wherever you dream to get to, then you have to sit in the vehicle of the gospel. Praise the Lord. Every time we open ourselves for the gospel, amazing things happen in our lives. When Peter gave up his vessel for the gospel, what happened? What he had struggled all his life to get came to him within a second because the gospel had access. May the gospel have access in your life. Come to a place where nothing is of great importance to you than the gospel. Paul said, my life is worth nothing except I spend it in telling others about the gospel. Sharing the gospel, that's all I live for. That's what Paul said. Look at what Jesus said in Mark chapter 10 verse 28 to 31. Peter said, we have left all and we, are, we have left everything and followed you. We have left everything and followed you. We made great sacrifices to follow you. Then Jesus said, truly I say to you, there is no one who has left house, brothers, sisters, mother, or father, or children, and friends. So, you know, Peter just made it. He summarized it. He said, we have left all and followed you. Jesus said, let me give you the details. These are some of the things you have left to follow me, or these are some of the things that people will let go to follow me. He says, people will let go of houses. They will let go of brothers. They will let go of fathers, lands. The, all of these people will leave them to follow me. Now look at Mercedes. He said, who will not receive? Do you see that? This is not a universal promise to claim. <laughs> because there are, there, are, there are people who claim promises, they don't get them. But there are people who don't claim promises, they receive them. They don't claim them, they receive them. Because you see, promises are not based on claiming them. They are not meant to be claimed. They are meant to be complied with. They go with instructions. When an instruction is followed, the promise automatically fulfills itself. So last Sunday, the, uh, uh, Mr. T gave, he said, there's something, he said, he said, I said there's more power in instruction than prayer. Because when you obey an instruction, you don't have to pray. You have already kicked emotion, whatever is supposed to follow. Jesus said, you've left all. He said, there's no one who has left all of this, who will not receive hundredfold now in this time. Somebody say now in this time. Now, in this time. now, unless God is not faithful. Now in this time. Now in this time. Not the time to come. Now in this time. He says, now in this time. Houses, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, lands with persecution. And in the time to come, in the age to come, everlasting life. Come on, somebody say an amen. amen. This is God. This goal. So that's what we establish. We establish that evangelism is foundational. Somebody say foundational. foundational. We cannot be effective in the work of evangelism until we come to a place where we appreciate that this thing has to be pursued as a divine mandate. Somebody say as a divine mandate. It's a divine. Say it's a, mandate. it's a mandate. It's a mandate. It's a mandate. A mandate is an instruction. It's a command that needs to be complied with. It's an instruction that must be obeyed. We need to pursue this task as a mandate. Mandate because it's a command. Somebody say it's a command. It's a command. The first thing we see is that it's a command. The mandate of evangelism is so because it's a command. Jesus said, go ye. That's what he said. Matthew 28, 19. Go ye therefore and make disciples. Go ye. Don't sit. Go ye. Don't stand. Go ye. I see you join us as we go on Saturday. He said, go ye, Matthew 28, 19, go ye. Mark 16, 15, go ye. In the book of John 15, 16, he says, you have not chosen me, I have chosen you, that you should go and bring forth fruit. Go and bring forth fruit. Everywhere the mandate of evangelism is given, there is a going. Somebody say, there's a going. Say, there's a going. That's why the only church that grows is the church that is on the go. Until we go, we can't grow. Until we go, because we are meant to go. We are not meant to sit. 
The church is not a place where we wait for people to come. It's a place where we go and we force people and we bring them in. Can somebody say an amen? amen. That's what we do. So it's a command. And we need to comply with the mandate because of the condition of the harvest. Somebody say the condition of the harvest. Number one, we must pursue it as a mandate because of the command. And then number two, because of the condition of the harvest. Jesus spoke and said, the harvest is ripe already. Somebody say, it's ripe already. He said, lift up your eyes and see. The fields are white already for harvest. And we cannot afford to sleep in the time of harvest. And then, of course, we need to pursue the mandate with compassion. Somebody say compassion. compassion. Say compassion. You know the reason why people don't intentionally as a lifestyle reach out to people? Because we are gradually grown cold in our love towards God and our compassion for the lost. When your love is burning hot for God, your love will burn hot for the lost. One of the tests of love that is burning hot. And you know what? The Bible said in the last days, the love of many shall what? Was cold. One of the things that can help you to know whether your love is waxing cold or your love is blazing hot is to check your love for the loss. 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 When you see that your love for the loss is going down and down and down, it's an indicator that your love for God is going down. The Bible says, and some have compassion, making a distinction, but not the same with fear, pulling them out of the fire. Apostle Paul said that my desire and prayer to Israel is that they might be saved. Then in the book of Romans 9 verse 2 and 3, he says that I have great sorrow and continual grief in my heart. Can you imagine that? Great sorrow and continual. Somebody say continual. It's not occasional. Continual. As long as a person is not saved, Paul was not at rest. He said my sorrow is continuous. Is continuous. I am constantly in sorrow. The reason why my heart is bleeding is because I want to see a soul saved. Praise God. I want to get my friends saved. I want to get my, my brother saved. I want to get my relative saved. I cannot go down knowing that my fellow Israelites are perishing. Until tomorrow, some of them are still perishing. And Paul lived with that constant compassion for lost souls until he died. In fact, at the point he was speaking and he said, what is me if I preach not the gospel? That's compassion. That's what? Yeah, you, when when you, are, you, are, you are driven with compassion, he, he said, I consider myself a curse for the sake of my brothers. Compassion, compassion, compassion. I pray that tonight compassion will come alive in your heart. When somebody is in a room that is burning with fire and you have the key and you refuse to open it. I think that of all men, you'll be the most wicked. Praise the Lord. And the Bible says, we have the key. Men are in the room. All men are doomed without Christ. And God is making his appeal through us to men. That men everywhere can come to the knowledge of Christ and they can only come through us. Paul said, Christ is making his appeal through us. We need to reach out to them and tell them, God is no longer agree with you. God loves you. God wants you saved. The price has been paid. You don't need to go that way. That's the gospel. And of course, we said that we need to pursue it as a mandate because of the consummation. Somebody say the consummation. Do you know that Christ will not come until every person on the planet hears the gospel? Do you know that? Do you know? He will not come until. That's a, 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 an important condition he made. He said, and this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world, throughout the whole world, as a testimony. As what? A as a testimony to all nations. Then the end will come. Some, I think the King James says, as a witness. As a witness. Men must hear the gospel. Because, you see, God cannot, as a witness, you can see that, as a witness, as a witness. In other words, when men, on judgment day, when men stand, on saved men, stand before the judgment seat of Christ, and they are to be judged and be condemned, the basis for God's judgment is, you heard the gospel, what did you do with it? You see, what would take people to hell is not their sin. Sin doesn't take anybody to hell. What a person does with Christ is what takes a person to hell. Yeah. What a person does with Christ. 
The Bible says, for the wages of sin is death. Is that not it? The wages of sin is what? But the gift of God is eternal life through who? The gift of God is eternal life through who? So where do you get eternal life? Through Christ. So when you don't receive Christ, who is the gift of God? Who paid for the wages of sin? You have to pay for your own wages. So what takes people to hell is not their sin. It's not their sin. Nobody goes to hell because of sin. Everybody goes to hell because of what they did with Christ. Yeah. Sin doesn't take people to hell. What takes people to hell is what they did with God's gifts. Because on judgment day, the only thing that matters, you heard about Christ. What did you do with him? What was your response? He said, all this shall be preached unto all nations for a witness. It doesn't mean that go sin all you want. That's not what we are talking about. Anybody who has really experienced Christ will not live in sin. And your works will be judged. But your works will be judged essentially for reward. Your works, which is works of righteousness, all of those things will be judged essentially for reward. But you don't go to heaven on the basis of your sinlessness or your sinfulness. No, you go to hell on the basis of rejection of the gift of God, which is Christ. For by grace ye are saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is a, it is what? It is a gift. You can go through scripture again and again. Every time God is talking about salvation, it's a gift, 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 gift. Gift is meant to be received. God has given you the gift of God, the gift of eternal life through Christ. He said, I don't want Christ. If you don't want Christ, you can't have eternal life. Are you following what I'm teaching tonight? That's what it means. So that's why it is not so important to chase people with their sin. That's why when we preach, we don't preach sin. We preach Christ. You preach Christ. You preach Christ. Because when Christ is received, the sin problem is solved. The answer to sin must be preached, not sin. Are you here with me? What we preach is the answer to sin. God's answer to man's sin is Christ. There was no way man could stand by himself before God. And God paid the price for man's sin. He paid that price through Christ. The wages of sin is death. That's why Christ died. If that, the reason why you who have placed your faith in Christ will live eternally is because Christ died for you. Praise God. The Bible said this is the gospel that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. Oh, I'll be getting there pretty soon. So we need to appreciate that it's a mandate. Somebody say it's a mandate. It's a mandate. And as a mandate, we need to give it all the priority it demands. Three ways to execute the mandate of evangelism. We need to give it priority. Somebody say priority. Priority. It has to be a priority. It's not something we can put on the shelf. No. As for your degree, you can't wait to do it. You think you are growing old, so you must do it now. But sharing the gospel can wait. Praise the Lord. That's the language of a basleading Christian. A basleading Christian shares off that which must be done now in order to take care of the cares of this life and the deceitfulness of riches. Praise the Lord. Yeah, the gospel is a now gospel. Somebody says it's a now gospel. It's a now gospel. So we need to give it a priority, and then we need to preach it in power. The Bible says, I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God unto salvation. And then we need to pursue the mandate according to heavenly pattern. Somebody say heavenly pattern. Heavenly pattern. pattern. All right, so one is the fact that we need to appreciate the fact that the mandate, the work of evangelism, if you are going to effectively do the work of evangelism, we have to understand that it's a mandate. Somebody say it's a mandate. It's a mandate. Yeah, it's a mandate that the king has given us. We can't fail in that mandate. And then for us to be able to execute the mandate well, we must stay motivated. Somebody say motivated. motivated. You have to stay what? Motivated motivated. The Bible said, do not be weary in well-doing, for in due season you shall reap if you faint not. How else can we be motivated to do the work of evangelism? We have to go back to scripture and find out the biblical motivation for evangelism. When we understand the biblical basis for evangelism, we stay motivated. The fact that you reach out to somebody and the person didn't come will not discourage you. Praise the Lord. The fact that you spoke to somebody and the person insulted you will not discourage you because you are super motivated. May we all be motivated for the work. We looked at a number of motivations. We said that 
The first motivation is the universality of sin and its consequences. Somebody say sin is universal. Yeah, you have to be motivated to share the gospel because sin is universal. There is nobody who is without sin. The Bible says, for all have sinned. Somebody say, all have sinned. All have sinned and have come short to the glory of God. All have sinned. All have sinned. All have sinned. The wages of sin is death. The Bible said in the book of all souls are mine and the souls that sin it shall die. Number two, we said that we need to be motivated because of the inestimable value of a soul. Somebody say souls are valuable. Say souls are valuable. I tell you, there is nothing on the planet as valuable as a soul. That's why God rewards those who pursue souls. Because souls are valuable. Souls are valuable. On our planet, one of the things that is of great value, which when you get, you won't joke with. Any of you can tell me, gold, right? If somebody gave you gold, you'll be eternally grateful, won't you? How many of you will be very grateful if you receive a diamond? You'll be very grateful. If he gave you some oil fields in, let's say, Nigeria, Port Harcourt, you'll be grateful. If they gave you some oil fields in uh, Osajifu, wherever, you'll be grateful. But none of those things is as valuable as a soul. Mm. Praise the Lord. Nothing. Nothing. Matthew 16, 18. He said, what is a man profited if he gains the whole world? We are not talking about gaining the oil fields of Iran and Iraq and all of those places. We are talking about gaining the whole world. Every part inclusive. Imagine yourself. Gaining the whole world at the expense of your soul. The Bible says you still be a loser. So when we see people successful and we think that they are okay, they are not okay. They are losers without Christ. Every man is a loser without Christ. What makes a person valuable is not his education, is not his background, is not the family he came from, is not his nationality. Is the person of Christ in the person's life. Can somebody say an amen? amen? Yeah. That's why when you meet somebody who is born again, you must learn to value the person and respect the person. Some of you respect rich people more than you respect Christians. It's because your value is not correct. As long as a person is rich, drives a certain Mercedes car, even if he's not born again, there's a way you greet him. But when you see a brother who is tongue-talking, spirit-filled, you look at him with an attitude because you have an attitude. Yeah. You are not spiritual. Yeah, you are not. When you are spiritual, you look at things. The Bible says, henceforth, no, we know man after the flesh. What makes a person valuable is the state of his soul. When your soul is saved, you are valuable because there is nothing that is as of great value as your soul. Somebody say, my soul is valuable. My soul is valuable. Alright, so we need to be motivated because we are pursuing the most valuable. Somebody say, the most valuable. Yeah. When we go after souls, we are pursuing the most valuable. The most valuable the most valuable is a soul. So going after souls is going after the most valuable. There is nothing that holds great value in the sight of God and great value eternally like the value of a soul. Of course, number three, we said that we need to be motivated because of the brevity of life. Somebody say life is short. Life is short. Say life is short. Life is, short. life is very short. I've told you too many times. No matter how long you live, if you live 120 years, it's still a short life. If you live like Methuselah did, it's still a short life. Your longest life is not lived on this fear. It's lived in eternity. A thousand years compared to eternity is as nothing. Your longest life is lived in eternity. And then, of course, we need to be motivated because of the certainty of death. Somebody say the certainty of death. Certainty of death. Yeah, death is certain. There is one thing that is certain for all. Certain. Nobody can ever escape it. Are you here with me? Yeah. As long as you remain in this flesh, at some point you will go. When your purpose is over, you have to go. The Bible said, now the time of my departure is at hand. I like that. He said, the time of my departure. So you have your time of departure, I have my time of departure. But I like what he said in addition. He said, I have finished my course. So, by the time your time of departure comes, you must finish. And I pray that you will not depart until you are finished. Amen. I said, may you not depart until you are finished. Amen. Say, I'm not departing, I'm not departing. until I'm done. Until I'm done. Yeah. So, you have to be pursuing it. Yeah. 
Why must God keep you alive? Because there's an assignment on your life. I was speaking to a friend yesterday and I was telling him that I am not one of those people that Satan can kill. The only person who can kill me before my time is myself. The only person who can kill me before my time is myself. Because God has a purpose for me to finish. Until I'm done with the purpose, I'm not supposed to go. Satan has no access to my life. Because my life is hid in Christ and Christ is hid in God. But through my own foolishness and lack of responsibility, I can kill myself. Am I complicating here? That's why you need to take care of your life. I don't fear which, no which, no matter. There's no occult man that you can present my name there and anything can work. There's an assignment to my life. I'm here on purpose. I've finished my course. I've kept the faith. Now it's laid out for me to go. It's a time. Somebody say it's a time. Yeah, it's a time. One of the things that working in purpose does for you is that it makes you confident. Paul went through all kinds of things. If there was a man who could have gone before his time, it was Paul. Night and day in the sea. He was kept in the, he went under the sea several times. Beaten. But none of these things could, he said, I have finished my course. You will finish your course. I said, you will finish your course. Some of you, if God gave us a hundred years, it may just be a waste because you are not living on purpose. You are just living for self. May you live for God. I said, may you live for God. May you live for God. May you live for God. Death is certain. The Bible says, it's appointed unto all to die. Somebody say, oh. Oh. Yeah. Just as it's appointed unto man to die once. But after death, judgment, of course. The certainty of judgment after death. Men will be judged after death. Do you know that? Do you know that? Men will be judged after death. But for you who is born again, you have already been judged. Praise the Lord. You see, (laughs) when you get born again, your judgment, your judgment was finished in Christ. So there is no judgment for the believer after death. The only judgment for the believer is the Bema C judgment. And that is a judgment of works. Where you will sit, you know, in the Olympic Games, nascent Olympic Games, they raise a stage. I think now, even still, they do it still. Yeah. During the, uh, those times. But even now, they do it. Olympic Games, they raise a stage. And then, uh, when they finish, you see that, the winning team, they will climb the stage and they will dress you up. That's what the Bima seat is about. The Bima seat is like an Olympic game in eternity where God will be dressing people out one after the other. That is a judgment that awaits a believer. It's not the judgment of going to hell. That one, Jesus went to hell on my behalf. So the moment I accept Christ, I have gone to hell and back. And you can't go to hell twice. He went to hell. The Bible said, having spoiled principalities and powers. That's what he went to hell to do. So God will be unjust to take me to hell after I place my faith in Christ. No, that's double jeopardy. It's against the law of natural justice. And God is not an unjust God. But if you have never been to hell through Christ, you have to go there eternally. <laughs> because that, that is the destination of all. Once you have not accepted Christ, that is your ultimate destination. But once you place faith in Christ, what Christ did is credited to your account. That is the law of substitution. Somebody say substitution. Substitution. Yeah, substitution. Substitution. He took your place, so you take his place. The Bible said he made him to be sin. Who knew no sin? That we might be made the right. The reason why I'm a righteous person is not because of anything I did. Because Jesus became a sinner. Praise God. Do you know Jesus never sinned? The Bible said he was tempted at all points, yet without sin. He never sinned. So when he lived his life without sinning, the moment I believe him, his righteousness is now credited into my account. So when God looks at me, he looks at me as without someone without sin. That's why knowing that you are in Christ is very important. The only person who is without sin is the person who is in Christ. Not just anybody. The person who is in Christ, in Christ, he was made sin for us that we might be made the righteousness of. So it's not it's not a process, it's immediate. Jesus was made a sinner without sin. Some people find it very difficult to appreciate that. But you see, think about it this way: Jesus never sinned. 
and yet he was made a sinner. You have sinned and you can be made righteous without doing a righteous act. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Jesus never sinned. He was made a sinner. You are also not righteous. You can also be made righteous. And you become righteous by being placing your faith in Christ. Can somebody say an amen? amen. That, that, that's it. When you understand this, listen, when you understand this, Satan can never take advantage of you. I don't have record of past sins for Satan to refer to. There's no bad past record with God. No, 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 no. When I entered into Christ, I became a new creature. All things, all records gone in Christ. I only have a future. I don't have a past. I said in Christ, you only have what? And that future is a glorious future. I know the plans I have for you. Plans of good, not of evil. To give you a future and a hope. Don't allow Satan to keep you in your past. And you did this and you did that and you did that. There's no past for the new creation. Praise the Lord. The word new creation. If any man be in Christ is a new creation. That word in the Greek, it means something that has never existed before. That's what it means. Cannot. It's never existed before. So if something has never, it's like a, a car that has never been existed before. We are not talking about a new model. We are talking about a new car. That has, it's a new car at all. There is no reference to it. They have new models of Mercedes. They have new models of all kinds of cars. But when they do a car that has never existed before, that's the kind of car we are talking about. It's a new creation. Somebody say, I'm a new creation. <laughs> I like to go into these areas. I'll spend time with you in that area soon. So we are looking at the certainty of judgment after death for all. The Bible says in Revelation 20, 12, he says, I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne. And books were opened, then another book was opened, which was the book of life. And the dead were judged by what was written in the books according to what they had done. All right. Okay. Now look at number six, the impossibility of repentance after death. Now, you see, this is why we must preach the gospel. Do you understand what I'm saying? Your motivation to preach the gospel now is because people cannot repent after death. People cannot repent. When somebody dies, it's over. The docket is closed. The docket is permanently closed. It cannot be reviewed. The case is a closed case. When you read the account of the story Jesus gave about Lazarus and the rich man, you see that there. And of course, the longevity of eternity and then the agency of the Lord's return and the nature of his return. Somebody say the agency of the Lord's return. The of the Lord's say the agency of the Lord's return. The of the Lord's return. Now, if any time was close for Jesus to return, it is now. Somebody say it's now. It's now. Yeah, it's now. We can't continue to live life like we used to because the time is close. Jesus never gave. He said the hour and the time no man knows. Thank God. We don't know the hour, but we know the signs. Somebody say, we know the signs. Yeah, we know the signs. Jesus is so good. He didn't give us assurance of the hour, but he gave us the signs. He gave us the signs. The signs are very obvious. When a woman is pregnant, they know the duration that it's nine months. And they can give you a due date. But what will help you to know that it is coming will be the signs. Somebody say the signs. Is it, is it not signs? Doctors, is it not the signs you use? They'll tell you all the time. Sometimes you can even go to the hospital, they will send you back. They say it's not due yet. Because they are watching out for signs. There must be some pains. It must be sustained. There must be breaking of waters. Praise the Lord. All kinds of things must happen. Those are signs. And Jesus gave us signs Paul, by the Spirit, also gave us signs. Look at Matthew chapter 24. The Bible says, Matthew 24, watch out that no one deceives you. Matthew 24 verse 3. Matthew 24 verse 3. Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives. The disciples came to him privately. They said, tell us, when would this happen and what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of an age? And Jesus did not say, you don't need to know it. He began to speak to them. The first thing he said is that, watch that no one deceives you. Somebody say, be careful of deception. Say, watch out. Because deception will be rampant in the last days. 
Then he says, For many will come in my name, that I am the Messiah and will deceive many. You will hear, now look at this, you will hear of wars and rumors of war. Somebody say wars and rumors of war. Say wars and rumors of war. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We have always been dreading a third world war. But the events of our world points us only to one direction. Praise God. If care is not taken, that's where the world will go to. But you see, the, the worst of these things will not happen. By the time they are happening, we are out of here. Praise the Lord. Yeah. But that's why there's wars and rumors of war. Wars and rumors of war. China is aligning with Russia and then the Europe and the US are also on another end. And every day, somebody is testing something. Somebody is testing something. Somebody is testing something. Everybody wants to show they are powerful. Somebody say wars. And rumors of war. He said nation will rise against nation. How else will one nation be sitting there and one nation will just go and use armor and destroy everything they have? Nation will rise against nation. Praise the Lord. Kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in various places. All of these are the beginning of pains. Look at Paul's list. Uh, close. Second Timothy 3 verse 1 to 5. He said, but understand this. That in the last days. Somebody say in the last days. Understand this. Second Timothy chapter 3 verse 1 to 5. Understand this, that in the last days there will come times of difficulty. How many of you have heard of cola? Cola, 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 cola. I, I didn't understand it. Too. I was hearing cola, cola, cola. It's only today I understood it. Cost of living allowance. I didn't, I didn't understand it. Cola, C-O-L-A. I, I, I used to think it's K-O-L-A. As in cola. Cola, cola not or something. But today, I understood for the first time, cost of living allowance. Why? They need, because they need cost of living because times of difficulty. That's what the Bible says. <laughs> they will give you allowances upon allowances, but things will still be difficult. Am <laughs> I complicating somebody? Yeah. Any prophet who tells you that the things are going to be soft, 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 soft. No, no, no. The only thing that can be strong is your faith. That's why being in church to be fed consistently is important. Yeah. Yeah. When your faith is strong, there is not, nothing you can't stand. The Bible said, having done all, stand. It said, be sober. Whom resisted fastly in faith. That's it. And faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. You are hearing and hearing and hearing the news. And the more you hear it, the more depressed you become. But there's a news that when you hear, your faith is lifted. News you hear, your faith is boosted. And that news comes from the word of God. Can somebody say an amen? He said, understand this, that difficult times will come. Then he tells you why things will be very difficult. You, listen, the difficulties we are going through in the world, they are not the creation of God. They are the creation of man's greed and wickedness. All over the globe. That's what it is. He said, for people will be lovers of themselves. That's, that's the reason why we are wicked. That's why difficulties are coming. People will be lovers of themselves. Lovers of money. Lovers of money. So he can buy this iPad for 1,000 Ghana CDs and he wants to sell it for 10,000 Ghana CDs. That's lover of money. No matter how the economy is, when you pick a product for 1,000 and you want to sell it for 5,000 Ghana CD, things will be tough. No government can change it. It's the wickedness of men. Men will be proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy. So, Matthew chapter 24, he tells us the condition of the world. But in 2 Timothy, he tells us the condition of people. How people will be in the last days. There's what will happen in the world and there's what will happen amongst people. Then he says, ungrateful and holy. People easily forget. I pray that tonight you will not be a forgetful person. We live in a generation where people forget. Do you know the reason why people become ungrateful and disloyal is because of forgetfulness? 
So God warned Israel when they were leaving Egypt. He told them, he said, I'm bringing you to a good land. When you get into that good land, don't forget. Don't forget. Don't forget. You see, you cannot be offended about some things when you remember. Praise God. There are things, no matter how hard, you will not be offended. When you remember, you see, when you have a memory, it's a very powerful thing. Praise God. I like the song that the songwriter wrote. Now listen, you don't have to just remember what God has done. You also want to remember what God has used people to do for you. Because most of the things God does for you, he didn't come from heaven to do it himself. He used people. He used people. He used people. The things he's done for you, he used people. And the things he would do for you, he will still use people. And if you don't learn to show appreciation and gratitude, you will lose out big time. Praise God. The Bible said, in the last days, one of the cancers of the last days will be the cancer of ingratitude. If you want to accept Jesus and make him your Lord and Savior, you want to say this prayer after me. Mean every word and then believe it in your heart. Say, Lord Jesus, I confess that you are my Lord and my Savior. I believe with my heart that you died and rose again for me. By my belief, I am justified. And by my confession, I am saved. Thank you for saving me in Jesus' precious name. Amen and amen. If you pray that prayer in faith, you are a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. God bless you. We look forward to having you join us again and again. We are blessed. Pastor Afuakwa has just placed in your hands the key for all-round victory, success, and limitless prosperity. Share your testimonies with us on 020-422-5790 or email us at embassyoflifechapel at gmail.com. Get interactive with Pastor Afuakwa on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. For more information, visit our website at www.embassyoflife.org. Fellowship with us this and every Sunday for our service at our headquarter church from 8.30 a.m. to 11 a.m. for our good news service. And on Wednesdays for our discovery service from 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. Our church auditorium is located on the top floor of Nanama Ejakuma Plaza opposite the Unity Oil Station, Santata Runabout, Kumasi, Ghana. Alternatively, you can join us online for our services on Embassy of Life Chapel, Facebook or YouTube pages. God richly bless you. Oh, no.